Hello and welcome to the Money Talk podcast. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, what chance do investors have of matching inflation over the next year? That's the central challenge for anyone risking their money on investments. But how realistic a name is it? And if it can't be done, what's the alternative course of action? That's the focus today. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. If you asked investors what their ambitions are for the coming year, I suspect many would simply hope for a return that means their money doesn't lose value. That means in cash terms, of course, but also in real terms. That's after the effect of inflation, which is eroding the buying power of money. With inflation now running around 7% and forecast to rise further, it will be no easy feat. But exactly how realistic a name is it? We're hoping to answer that today. And in that aim, I'm joined by Tom Stevenson, Investment Director here at Fidelity. Tom, welcome along. Um, This aim of matching inflation will seem a long way off at the moment, won't it? Because most portfolios will be in the red, I suspect, so far this year. And we know that prices are rising quickly. But what do we know about the likely path of inflation from here? Yes. Uh, hi, Ed. I, you know, inflation has been rising pretty quickly uh, all over the world, but uh, in particular, we've noticed it uh, on either side of the uh, of the Atlantic. I think it's still rising. Um, I don't think we've reached the the end of that process, and uh, in particular, I don't think that the full impact of that raising of the price cap for uh, domestic uh, heating bills uh, has 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 fully flowed through into the figures. We've clearly got more to come on that front uh, in October uh, when that price gap is going to be revisited. Petrol prices, as we know, are going up. Food prices are going up. So, you know, I think we've got a bit further to go uh, with inflation. But, um, you know, it won't keep on going up forever. Uh, and at some point, the the comparatives will become more favourable. So I think, you know, we're towards the top end of the range for inflation. Yeah. And you mentioned there, Tom, the, the kind of year on year comparisons for inflation, because obviously what you get with the inflation is, is how much higher prices are now versus a year ago. And if you look at the trajectory of prices over the past year or so, it was really the second half of last year that, that inflation started to, started to accelerate. And of course, in the first few months of this year, we will get to a point, as you suggest there, Tom, where the year on year comparisons sort of calm down a bit. I mean, can you explain that the inflation figure will look better? It might not mean that prices necessarily fall. Yeah, that's right. Because I mean, what what the inflation rate is, is a is a comp- is a comparison. It's comparing prices with uh, a period in the past, traditionally a year a year ago. Um, And uh, so in order to in order to arrive at the the inflation uh, figure, you have to have a start point and an end point. And if the start point is already high, then just arithmetically, almost by definition, uh, the inflation rate is going to settle down a bit um, because you're starting from a high point. And that is the point that we will get to uh, quite soon, because as you rightly say, it was really in the second half of last year and and through the the, the first few months of this year that that inflation really uh, started to take off. You're also right to point out that this doesn't necessarily mean that the cost of living is going to get any easier. If prices simply stay high, um, then the inflation rate will, in due course, become zero. Um, But prices will still be high. And I think that's the situation that we're going to uh, find ourselves in. Uh, I don't think there's any prospect of our heating bills 
necessarily coming down or, you know, the cost of filling our cars will become any cheaper or indeed, you know, going to the supermarket will be any cheaper. Um, but uh, we may find that the inflation rate actually of begins to come down quite quickly. Yeah, and that's that's going to be a really big question, isn't it, through this year, Tom? Because as you say, there are certain prices that do actually sort of fluctuate quite a bit. You've got something like the oil price. That will go up and then will come down again. And actually, that's true of wholesale energy prices as well. But by the time you get to the sort of retail end of prices what's happening in shops that tends to be a bit stickier doesn't it and 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 it's you you just tend not to get big reversals in say the price of of food but we're obviously talking in the context of investments and 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 really what people are going to be hoping for is that their money uh, their savings can kind of keep pace at some point and and from what you said there it may not happen immediately because we don't quite know how far and how fast inflation's going to going to rise but uh it it, sh- it can still be possible. I mean, what what is the case, Tom, for for risk assets as they're called? You know, investments basically, shares, bonds, and other assets. What's the case for those things managing to keep pace with inflation? If not now, then at some point this year. Yeah, I think I think the outlook for uh, those investments uh, is a bit mixed at the moment. To be honest, I you know I think that there are there's a there's a fairly long list of things to be concerned about, and inflation is just one of them it's a it's a rather important one but it is just one of the things which uh which investors are looking at they're also looking at what central banks are doing uh to counter inflation raising interest rates that's that's generally uh, a headwind for 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 investment uh markets uh and then uh you know just this week we've had um some reports from um uh, influential bodies like the uh, international monetary fund and the world bank uh, reducing their forecasts for um, global growth quite significantly, um, uh, actually. So, uh, you know, I, I think, and that is the backdrop against which uh, people are assessing uh, investments. Now, the positive is that um, corporate earnings are still moving forward. They're still growing. And we're right in the middle of um, of uh, an earnings season uh, referring to the first three months of the year. We're seeing a lot of companies announcing uh, their results. And it's early days yet, but broadly speaking, we're seeing growth in earnings. So that's, that's a positive. Um, I think the valuations that uh, are attached to uh, shares, so in other words, you know, the multiple of earnings which investors are prepared to pay is reasonably high at the moment. So I think that that feels like a, a bit of a headwind. So I think I guess the picture that I'm painting here is that there are pros and cons. Um, uh, there are reasons to be positive and reasons to be uh, negative. And I think that's why stock markets are a bit sort of um, uh, stuck at the moment. They, you know, they've, they're kind of moving up and down, but basically sideways. And, and, and I think that that is that is probably the outlook until we get a clearer picture on inflation and, and interest rates in particular. And, and is it fair to say, Tom, that actually one of the, you know, can we call it a silver lining maybe of, of the inflation story is that um, it obviously makes it difficult to for, for savings to keep pace with inflation. But it does also mean that it's not very attractive to to keep your money in assets that aren't that aren't making a return in particular sort of cash savings and it's probably true to say of shares maybe of bonds as well that 
they are still, relatively speaking, attractive versus those alternatives, aren't they? And, and, and there aren't many places for people to look for a return right now. So it's reasonable to, to say that, that those assets are, are going to see flows of money because there isn't really many where, uh, other places for it to go. Yeah, I think, that's a, I think that's a fair point to make. I mean, if you look at the historical record, then shares uh, um, have a track record of dealing with um, inflation better than, than many other assets, and in particular uh, cash, because, you know, with inflation running at, uh, you know, 6 7%, you know, if you're getting uh, a return on your cash, deposits of you know probably less than one percent uh you know then you are effectively losing money in in real terms by holding it in cash so at the margin i think people will be looking for higher returns and they're going to find those higher returns in in shares mainly there are some other asset classes have attractions in this environment commodities for example um uh, but, you know, it's quite thin pickings. It's quite hard to find uh, asset classes which really can cope with an inflationary environment. And, you know, the, the, the best of the bunch is probably shares. So I think, that, you know, the stock market will continue to see uh, fund inflows as a consequence of that. Yeah, and, and I guess the... Um... The, the other big market that people will be invested in is the bond market, of course. We've spoken many times about why inflation and, and rising interest rates aren't great for bonds. Um, but if people are happy to invest their money right now, uh, what, 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 what sort of attention should they pay to, to, to the bond market in particular? I mean, you've written in the past week, Tom, about that old favourite, which is the uh, 60-40 portfolio. That's 60% shares and 40% bonds. It has been out of favour for all the reasons that I say there. But you were able to make an argument, I think, that there may still be some life left in it. How will that 60-40 split portfolio work in this sort of inflationary environment? Yes, yeah, so I think it's important to understand why people invest on this basis, you know, uh, splitting their money between shares and, uh, and bonds uh, in that ratio of 60-40. I mean, they do it because um, uh, historically... Um, uh, shares and bonds have reacted in different ways to the, the same uh, situations, the same the same events. So because they move in different directions, they, they've tended to create a smoother ride for an investor that diversifies their portfolio across these uh, two assets. Now, more recently, uh, we've started to uh, see evidence that the, the, the two assets are moving in the same direction. So you don't get that diversification Benefit now. The case that I made in the piece that I wrote uh, this week is that uh, I think that the bonds have underperformed quite significantly uh, so far this year to the extent that the yield on bonds, which moves in the opposite direction to the price of bonds, has gone up quite sharply. So the the yield on the ten year U.S. Treasury bond is now almost three percent. Now that's not an insignificant income from an asset which has uh, uh, which offers investors a lot of stability you you know you know with with a great degree of certainty that you're going to get your money back because the US government is not going to default on its obligation to repay you uh, and if at the same time you're managing to get a three percent income that is starting to look quite interesting for uh, investors and as people start to buy those bonds again 
then the yield will move downwards. And uh, so therefore, uh, investors will, will also start to look not just at the income, but also at a, at a, at a capital gain if, if, that, if that yield does come down. So I do think that we find ourselves in a situation where bonds and shares might start to move in opposite directions again. Uh, if there's a problem with the with the the, the global economy, and I, I mentioned those those forecasts, and shares suffer because of that, then we may find that that bonds actually start to uh, move in the opposite direction and to protect uh, an investor's uh, portfolio. So I think that talk of the death of the sixty forty portfolio is probably exaggerated, and that the case for diversification remains pretty strong. Yeah, and you mentioned this 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 prospect of, of slowdown in the global economy. I mean, that's a really important uh, sort of unknown this year, isn't it? I mean, people have spoken about the the, the possibility of recession this year. Um, that could have an impact because it, it it might change the thinking at central banks, Tom, and it might it might it might sort of divert them from this more hawkish path that we've seen from the Fed and from the Bank of England. Those have hurt the bond market. That has hurt the bond market and the sh- and certain parts of the stock market as well. Any change of thinking there, perhaps if uh, central banks become wary of choking off growth this year, that could actually strengthen the case for, well, those risk assets that we're speaking about. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think we're there yet. I think we're still we're still in a, a situation where investors are rightly focused on uh, interest rates rising uh, rather than falling. But the, the global economy is clearly quite fragile uh, at the moment. And at some point, uh, that tightening of interest rates is going to have an impact uh, on growth uh, and on inflation. And in due course, uh, central banks will start uh, thinking about moving in the opposite direction as well. That, as you say, will be good news for bonds. But it will also be good news for the areas of the stock market, which in some ways behave like bonds. And I'm thinking in particular of the sort of the, the sort of the growth uh, end of the stock market, the technology stocks, which do well in an environment of, of, of low interest rates because so much of their profitability is in the future. And, uh, you know, the, the, the discounting back that those future profits to the present, uh, is they, they are more valuable to investors in an environment of low interest rates. So I think that, you know, if, if we do reach a, a, a peak of interest rates and we start to see them coming down again, because maybe the economy is struggling, then I think that might be good for both bonds and for those uh, for, for that corner of the stock market that we've just talked about. Okay, okay. Well, Tom, finally, then, I mean, we started by trying to answer this question about whether investors would be able to match inflation this year. I think we've concluded that it's going to be hard to do that. I think that's fair to say. Um, is it the case, Tom, that it's simply going to be one of those years when investors need to sort of wait this out? They need to wait for those year on year comparators to, to improve. Uh, they just need to position themselves correctly, whether that's with a 60-40 portfolio or whatever, uh, and then just hope for a bit of a change in the weather. I mean, investing can be like that sometimes. Yes. And I think, you know, it, it, we shouldn't expect every year to be a winner. That is not the nature of financial markets. They, they, they go up and down. They go up more often than they go down. That's, that's the good thing about financial markets. And that's why we need to stick 
with our investments through the cycle. It's, 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 it's difficult, as we've discussed many times, to jump in and out successfully to get the timing right. It's better to stick with your investments and accept that there will be some years, and maybe this is going to be one of them, when uh, you know we're swimming against the tide and it's, it's, it's harder work. But that's, that, that's the price that we pay for the, for the long-term performance of uh, financial markets and in particular the stock market. Indeed, indeed. Okay, well, Tom, that is all the time we have for now. Um, Hopefully that was a bit of an upbeat message to end on. Um, Thanks an awful lot for joining me. Thanks, Ed. You've been listening to the Money Talk podcast. Check fidelity.co.uk for daily written updates and articles on these and other topics from across Fidelity in the UK. And subscribe via iTunes to get the podcast downloaded direct to your devices every week. Please be aware that the value of investments and the income you get from them can go down as well as up, so you may not get back what you invest. This information doesn't constitute investment advice and should not be used as the basis for any investment decision, nor should it be treated as a recommendation for any investment. Eligibility to invest in an ISA or a pension and the value of tax savings depends on personal circumstances and all tax rules may change. You will not normally be able to access money held in a pension until the age of 55. Reference to specific securities or funds should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities or funds and is included for the purpose of illustration only. Fidelity Personal Investing does not give personal recommendations. If you're unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to an authorised financial advisor.